Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. I want to paint a scenario for you. It's the end of a long day. You've cooked dinner for everyone, thinking that you've planned to everyone tastes. It's spaghetti bolognese, the simplest thing you could make. And just in case you put a little bowl of plain spaghetti aside for that child that will not eat anything that's not white, and then you put some veggies on for that child, hoping they may touch something green. In the end, all they eat is plain pasta. Now, you repeat this scenario every night, trying to second guess what they'll eat, failing and cooking about three different meals for everyone, and then wonder, worrying that your child from the first world will become malnourished. Fussy eaters are incredibly difficult to cater for particularly when you're trying to make sure they get the nutrition they need. And I think that's probably the number one worry for parents of fussy eaters, not that they're being disobedient, although that in itself can be very frustrating. It's more that you're worried that they're just not getting the right nutrients they need. Kim Tekelis is a Simplot nutritionist, and she's here to help all the parents out there who have fussy eaters like me. So we're broadcasting live on digital radio, but if you're listening, you can jump onto Facebook Live where we're streaming, and you can pop your question under the video, and we'll get Kim to answer it. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Really great. Thank you. Now, you've got two kids, so uh, would it be right to say that at some point you may have dealt with fussy eaters yourself? Well, it's funny that you mentioned you've got one terrific eater because my son Luke is a fabulous eater and will eat everything um, and one fussy meter, fussy eater. Uh, so Mia is definitely the fussy eater, uh, daughter of a dietitian um, and won't <laughs> eat veg. So yeah, don't, don't, I think that's the big message here is um, don't feel bad and don't feel like you're a failure. And I think that's it. We tend to take it very personally when children won't eat the food that we've prepared out of love and, um, and out of concern for their nourishment and their growth. So yeah, absolutely. It's very common. All right. So let's get started. We have a few questions um, already. There's one from Madeline who is talking about portion sizes for a two-year-old. She says, I've always been confused about portion sizes for toddlers and how much of each food group they should be getting. For example, my two-year-old will eat three wheat bix for breakfast and would eat more if I let him. Also, do they really need snacks? He will eat a snack, but then he won't be hungry for lunch or dinner. Yeah, really, really good um, question. Um, so by the time a child gets to about the age of two, um, they're growing exponentially. So they grow out of their clothes before they wear out of their clothes. Um, so they've got a high growth phase. They're um, growing their mental capacity um, and they're getting um, more exploratory and experiential around the world, um, around them. And so therefore their energy needs are much greater. So you will notice that the portion sizes will kick in a bit then. Also their stomach size, their tummies are getting a little bit larger too. Um, I think the real key here is that the first dietary guideline and the one that's often forgotten about is to enjoy a variety of foods. So I think if your child's got an appetite at breakfast, that's fantastic, but maybe try and keep the wheat bix to one or two and actually try and introduce a variety of some other foods, so some fruit or or another food. Um, and really the key is the five food groups. So your vegetables and fruit, your meat and your protein foods, chicken, fish and eggs, eggs are a great, a great 
um, a great alternative to meat too. Um, your dairy, so um, cheese, yogurt, milk, um, and then just little bits of fats and oils just and try and choose healthy oils. Um, and then your cereals, your carbohydrates and your um, whole grain cereals and um, things like pasta, rice, those sorts of things as well. Oh, I've got pasta down pat. <laughs> Most kids, I think, have pasta down pat. That's, that's an easy one. There's actually some great legume pastas around now too. They're Ooh. really good to try and I've actually used them with my kids and they actually don't even notice they've got the legumes in them. So And they hold together quite well, which is good. So look, look out for those. Legume pasta. Okay. What about snacks? She says that if he, do they need snacks? And I guess she's thinking they're probably of fruit and their fruit intake. Absolutely. Um, there's some really interesting research that's just been published. It's actually a Melbourne study where they followed 450 families. They followed them from these kids from nine months through to five years. So it's quite a good study because they followed them all the way through. Um, at nine months of age, all of the kids met their fruit and their vegetable um intakes and didn't, or the majority of them, and didn't eat a lot of those snacks or those discretionary foods. Um, Interestingly, already by one and a half to two and a half, they are already starting to, they're meeting their fruit intake, not meeting their vegetable intake, and already those snacks are starting to creep in. Um, The reason that they were studying this is because these are the foods that we know are important for obesity later in life. So we know that people are not eating enough fruit and veg, um, and people are eating too many of those discretionary foods. And by the time they're getting into the three and a half to five and a half year olds, they're actually getting nearly a third to a, um, a quarter of their energy intake as snacks. One of the biggest issues or the biggest food groups um, in that snack group was biscuits, particularly in the one and a half year olds. So you're absolutely right. That's the time where if you know they're hungry, you can offer fruits or vegetables instead of a biscuit. So when you say discretionary foods, is that what um, I might say is a sometimes food? Absolutely. (laughs) So what we would call sometimes food or occasional foods. Um, The other word that you'll often hear is junk foods. So things like chips, crisps, biscuits, things that are high in fat, high in sugar and high in salt or high in all three. Um, So not belonging to those five food groups that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Ellen has a question. She has a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. What ideas do you have for some high fibre snacks. I'm trying to stay away from the packaged stuff, but need some simple things for days I work or I'm busier. I have a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. I'd love to know the answer to that, Ellen, because I have the same question. That's a terrific question. It actually follows on from exactly what we were talking about in terms of those snacks. Um, I think one of the great things is that when children are looking for snacks, they're hungry. So that's a great time for you to give them the foods that you actually really need them to eat because they've got an appetite and they're more likely to eat them. So that's one of the times that I would really offer my, my kids things like fruit and veg. So veg, I think we tend to think of as beside the plate at dinner. So in your spaghetti bolognese example, whereas veg can also be a great snack. And that could be raw snacks, uh, raw vegetables. So like as a snack in dips, dipping into dips like um, carrot sticks, those sorts of things. It could be things like um, a vegetable frittata, something like that's pretty easy. Whip up any leftover veg with some eggs, bake it off, cut it into slices and then offer those sorts of things. Um, or even um, things like, like vegetable muffins, like, you know, um, muffins with sort of carrot and or corn or those sorts of things in it. So some of those things cry a bit of preparation, but you can bake off sort of six to 12 muffins, pop them in the freezer, and then you've got them there ready to use, you know, when when you know that you're, you're under the you're under the pump. Um, cutting up a fruit, easy piece of fruit, probably easiest thing of, of all, I think. Your fruit li- comes in its own <laughs> packaging too, is what I always say, which is pretty exactly cool. Exactly <laughs> nice. That is a nice fact. Um, you're listening to Kindling Conversation. We are doing a very special chat today about 
Fussy Eaters. I have Kim Tekelis, who is a Simplot Nutrition. She's nutritionist, sorry. She's here to answer your questions. So if you have a question, um, you can pop it on our Facebook Live account, which is where we're streaming this live. So if you're listening, jump on Facebook, pop your question there. We have a question from Jane. She says, I started my six and a half month old baby on solids at five months with purees. She took to it well and ate everything I gave her. Over the last few weeks, she has become very difficult to feed. She grabs at the spoon and wants to feed herself, but lacks the coordination to do so and just makes a huge mess. I've tried giving her her own spoon to keep her occupied while I feed her, but she just isn't very interested in eating anymore. Whenever I'm eating something, she grabs at it. So I'm wondering if I introduce finger foods, whether she might take to eating again. If this is a good suggestion, what finger foods are safe to introduce at this age to minimise the risk of choking? So far, she's only had purees and mash. Um, Or do you have any other suggestions to get her eating again? How do I ensure she gets enough iron? There's a few questions in there. So let's start with the the first. Do you think in this situation it would be good to introduce finger foods? Yeah. So one of the things about introducing solids to babies is that they, A, they show interest in the food. So she's definitely showing interest. So she's she's definitely um, obviously a switched on child. She's um, really looking for um, exploring more food opportunities. So I would say she's ready. Normally, if you can sit up straight in a high chair, if you can, uh, if a child can um, sort of self-manage themselves in terms of you know picking up the food and putting it somewhere towards their mouth, normally they're pretty happy um, and pretty ready for solids. It's really important that you do. Um, move on to solids when the child is ready because it actually helps develop their later speech and um, their speech skills basically and chewing skills. So it is important. And if you try it and you think they're not ready, fine, just wait for another, you know, couple of weeks or so and then try it again. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be always sequential and very structured. You know, you can give it a bit of a go and if you don't feel it's it's and as mum usually you you're the best um uh, you've got the best insight into that. If you don't feel they're ready that's fine. Just um just leave it. I would try definitely some um, sort of softer veg, softer um, fruits, um, seasonal fruits, those sorts of things. Finger foods, toast fingers are great, those sorts of things. Um, even soft um, chicken, for example, like strips of chicken without any um, bones in them. Again, she might just suck on the chicken. She might not actually chew it and swallow it because she doesn't actually have the teeth yet, but that's fine. It's just around getting her used to some of the flavours and getting her the experience of that texture in her in her mouth. So so you could even try on those sorts of things as well. So give it a go. Um, if it doesn't work the first time, don't worry. You haven't failed. Just give it another go in an, in in another little while. So in terms of minimising the choking, is that all, that's all about choosing the softer vegetables? Yeah, it's also about so no small pieces, um, no hard things like nuts, for example. I wouldn't be giving raw carrots to a child of that age, for example, because they can disintegrate into little pieces. But things like things that do have texture, like toast, but that that but that do sort of crumble or break down are absolutely Absolutely fine. Okay. I, I gave my son broccoli at six months and filmed the, him eating it, and it's the best thing <laughs> ever. It's probably not the best vegetable to try because it's quite bitter, but just the look But on lightly his steamed face. broccoli would yeah. be fine. And again, he may just suck on it. He may not actually eat it, but that's fine. He's getting Sucking used to Sucking broccoli. Yeah, but he's just nice. getting the texture yeah. and that mouth movement. So there's part of that physical development as well, as well as the nourishment part of it as well. Yeah, so I did the right thing, people. I want you to remember that. Um, 
Do you have any other suggestions to get her eating again? Or do you think that those finger foods, given the behaviour that um, Jane has described, do you think that would be enough? It sounds like she's ready to progress to the next steps. Um, And definitely if she's interested in what those around her are eating as well, she's obviously naturally inquisitive and she's, I think she's ready for the next steps. I think give it a go. Okay. And the other one was, um, how do I ensure she gets enough iron? So her baby's six and a half months. That's a great question. So babies are born with their own iron stores. So that comes from the mother during pregnancy and they last to around about six months of age. Um, often then if they're breast milk or breast or um, infant formula fed, then they'll be getting that iron from breast milk or infant formula. So there is still some iron coming through that. Not a lot of iron through breast milk, but it, there will be some there and there is enhanced absorption through that um, because of the sugars, the breast milk sugars. Um, so then what often one of those first foods that we tend to introduce is like an iron fortified cereal. Um, and that is because those iron stores are starting to naturally run out at about six months. And so we're trying to re- reintroduce them um, at about that age and top them up. Um, the biggest sources of iron for, um, for, for children um, around that age will be your um, your iron-rich food. So obviously things like meat, chicken, fish, which you wouldn't introduce until later anyway, um, but even eggs. So eggs um, are still a pretty good source of iron. Um, and also some of your iron-rich vegetables, so spinach, some of your legumes, beans, those sorts of things as well. If you give those together with vitamin C, so which again comes naturally in your fruit and vegetables, that will tend to increase the iron absorption from your veggies, which is slightly less than the iron that, that's absorbed from meat, chicken and fish. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. You'll sort of, you know, you might get a bit of a dip and then a bit of an increase as, as you pick up on some of those protein foods as um, as you introduce those foods gradually. And hopefully they eat them. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question from sure. Rebecca, who has a four-year-old. How do I get my son, who's four, to eat red meat again? He used to eat everything and now nothing. Very, very common question. Um, and it's not usually about the red meat and it's not usually about the taste. It's usually about the texture. So it's the chewing. And so quite often kids will um, put a spoonful of meat into their mouth and they'll chew and chew and chew and chew and nothing really happens and then they spit it out again. Um, So it's really around texture and getting that texture right. And again, as long as you're eating from that protein foods group, it doesn't have to be red meat. Um, So I think what happens is... um, straight red meat like a chop or a, or a you know a piece of um, a beef or something like that tends to be difficult to chew so we tend to go to the processed meats we tend to go to sausages or pies or something like that which again are falling in those occasional food groups <laughs> the only meat my children exactly eat. and because of the texture um, I think that we forget that in that food group we can substitute those other foods from that, that from that food group so chicken great alternative um, poach a chicken fillet in some some stock um, you know nice and moist you can mince that up um, fish really nice and soft the great thing about fish is the variety of fish and the variety of flavors so tuna is quite strong flavored um, so there's really lots of options across fish and seafood so that's a really good option and usually they're quite soft um, the other option in there is eggs that we talked about before or legumes again so you know your lentils bees uh, sorry peas beans bees that... I didn't know be- bees <laughs> lentils be Lentils, beans, peas are a great option as well. Um, And again, getting um, kids used to those foods at that sort of age is fantastic because that all lasts them through to to an adult adulthood yeah and don't worry too much about meat they'll come back to that beef and those things normally once they get their secondary molars which is a bit later on in um, primary school 
Excellent. I'm going to hold out for that one. Um, unfortunately, we only have time for one last question, and this comes from Bianca, who has a five-and-a-half-month-old. We're about to start our solids journey, just wondering how to start. Once a day with a single food, do I do one day pumpkin, next day banana, etc., or do I do three days of pumpkin before trying something new? How do I know when to increase the texture of the food and when to introduce meats and potential allergens, etc.? Probably the most common question we get about introducing solids. So yes, definitely introduce one single food each day. So normally you would um, give your five and a half month old their milk drink or whatever whatever it is they're having, whether it's breast milk or formula, um, and then you would make sure they're happy and settled. Then that's when you would sit them down to start their solid foods. So don't try and introduce solid foods when they're hungry and they're starving and they're screaming and it's just not going to work. So you really want the child quite well settled. At this age, it's not about nutrition. It's really about just starting to get to the idea, get them used to the idea that they actually have something sort of semi-solid in their mouth rather than liquid, because instead of a swallowing liquid reflex, it's actually a a swallowing swallowing solids reflex, which is a bit of a different reflex. Definitely start with a single veg. Hot, hot tip, easiest way to do it is get yourself some frozen veg. They're as nutritionally, they're equivalent to fresh. Throw them in the blender, um, puree them up and then put them into ice block um, cubes and throw them in the freezer and then you've got plenty. I would try a variety on different days, so pumpkin one day, banana the next day, only because, again, that number one dietary guideline rule is eat a variety of food. So the sooner you can start that, the better. Don't be surprised if the first couple of weeks they just swallow it back out again because, again, it's that automatic reflex um, and it'll take a little bit of time for that to, to kick in. In terms of textures, just increase those gradually. Again, you're the mum. Have faith in yourself because you'll see um, when you think that they're starting to swallow, you know, they'll start with you know, not even a quarter of a teaspoon, um, you know, and then gradually work up half a teaspoon, one teaspoon. And then as they're getting better with the, that quantity, then you can start to slowly, gradually increase the texture. Excellent. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your help today. You're welcome. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. That was Simplot nutritionist Kim Tekelis, and we'll put all that up online. So if you want to go back and listen to any of that advice, head to kindling.com.au. 